What is up, everyone? This is Ahmed Chima coming to you live from Canton, Michigan. I'm here with Jeremy Lewis, and we are recording the second or actually the third episode of the Life of the Brother Man podcast. Real quick, Life of the Brother Man podcast is a podcast focused on frontline leadership. Uh, and Jeremy Lewis has spent the better part, what is it, Jeremy, a decade almost in operations leadership? Yeah, that's fair to say. You're showing my age, but um, still have fresh legs. So yeah, just over 10 years for sure. So Jeremy has spent a decade in uh, operations leadership, leading people. Uh, and for me, it's it's been a little bit over two years. I'm still learning. And Jeremy has been my teacher on this path. So uh, today we're going to be talking about finding your voice. And Jeremy, I just want to get right into it. This is feedback that me personally, I have gotten in the last couple months resoundingly like from my boss to like my boss's boss, like the feedback I keep getting is, listen, you need to find your voice. And, you know, for me, it's gotten to the point where it's like, are you guys just saying that because you don't have anything else to say? Like, what does find your voice mean? It's kind of vague. It's like when you ask people about what does finding your voice mean, it's just like, you either got it or you don't. It's like, there's no clear path of how one starts to develop their voice, uh, what it means to actually have a voice. Like, so l let me ask you this, Jeremy, like what does, if I get feedback that says, like someone told me, you need to find your voice. What does that mean? When I hear the term finding your voice, it means being confident enough to speak to a subject. And it's one thing about having the confidence to speak to a subject in comparison to truly uh, the vibration of your vocal cords and kind of bringing that into uh, fruition, right? Have you ever, and I'm going to kind of relate this to real life as well, you know, just kind of in our everyday basis or cadence. Have you ever been around like a person who just loves to hear themselves talk? <laughs> and, and, you know, it, it's a rhetorical question, but some people just find value or self-fulfillment in just hearing themselves talk and <laughs> their words have no substance. Mm. And so as we talk about, you know, navigation of our, you know, career and personal paths in regards to finding your voice, it comes down to having the confidence to speak up. And when we talk about speaking up, you know, I always compare it to, um, you know, when we have opportunities to speak up versus being given opportunities to, to, to speak up. That's a fine line because if you relate it back to, you know, everybody, and I would imagine our entire audience base have spent some time frame uh, in some type of educational system, you know, just kind of rooting back to our elementary basis, right, so to speak, in which, you know, in life, we often kind of get caught up in that cadence where we're only allowed to voice our opinion, only allowed to speak freely when our hand is raised and we're called upon. Mm, but that's mm. not reality, man. That's not reality. And that's not how leaders should lead. Leaders should lead when they feel confident enough about a subject and confident enough in their ability to articulate the subject and persuade the audience for a greater being, so to speak. So when you talk about finding your voice, it's about having confidence in the subject matter and having the education, no background, to provide value to the subject matter in which you are speaking to. Okay, 
I hate how you just get right into it and it goes so deep. I, there's like so many things to unpack here. Um, let's start with, okay, so let's start with the, the education system, right? So from kindergarten through essentially up until college, we're taught we can't speak unless you raise your hand, unless you have an opportunity, right? Like don't speak out of turn. Now we get to the workplace and all of a sudden, the people that are speaking out of turn are the ones that are moving up, the ones that are making the decisions, the ones that are actually in the seats of power, correct? Yes, agreed. So, and, go ahead. And this is a learned behavior. I mean, it's something that's kind of embedded in us from our, you know, our, our rooted elementary days. Yeah, you know? so that, that brings me to my question. Sorry to cut you off, but now how do we first unlearn this behavior that we've spent all these years learning and then how do we learn the right behavior? By shedding light on it. You know, when we shed light on the subject and kind of bring, um, bring awareness to it. You know, it's one thing to be oblivious to something, you know, when we talk about, you know, keeping it relevant to a learned behavior and going through your daily motion and being oblivious to it or being ignorant to it, so to speak. But, you know, we have the ability to interpret and act so in this case, if it's your first time kind of shedding light on it, it's an opportunity for growth, right? And in this case, as opposed to sitting back and waiting for opportunities to be given to us, or you know, waiting for opportunities to speak when called upon, you know, we can we can be that vocal, we can be that voice to kind of lead or stride, lead something you feel passionate about. Um, you know, just ensure that it's something that you have the confidence and the education to support what you're speaking to because that kind of circles back to the value in what you're speaking you know mm -hmm. once you put words in the air unfortunately you know we can never get that back right so just ensure that what we speak we have the um knowledge to support any context that we should you know should choose to voice our opinion on i want to dive into the knowledge piece here in a second but Real quick, you reminded me of a story. One of the senior managers that I worked with that I personally really vibed with really well, uh, before he left our building, I asked him to sit down for a little bit. And he just gave me a couple of pieces of advice, kind of like what we're doing here. And he told me that when he was going for, so when you go from like a manager to a senior manager, there's essentially like an interview process you have to go through. So he told me he had a pod uh, or a mock pod or a mock interview. Uh, and in that, he bombed it. And he thought it was because he was a young guy. He was, he was thinking like, oh, like the guy didn't like me. He didn't pass me because I'm young. So he asked the interview, he said, is it because I'm young? And the interviewer, who's like a director, he says, I could care less what your age is. What I care about is, are you a big leader that can influence others, right? And that's what, when, when you're talking about developing your voice, and knowing when to say stuff, right? That's what I, I just remembered is that it's not about your age, right? It's about knowing when to speak and speaking something of value when you speak so that when people are around you and, and you have something to say, they listen, right? And then that comes back to the influence conversation. I know if we get into influence, Jeremy, you go on a tangent, so <laughs> won't, go, won't go on influence right now. But now let's bring it back to being confident enough to speak to a subject. Where does this confidence come from? How do you, 
if currently I don't have confidence when I speak on a subject, how do I develop that confidence? Confidence comes with experience. Confidence comes with education, you know, which it's a correlation there. But not necessarily do you have to have the experience to be educated in the subject. By, you know, by all means, if it's something that there are several subjects that, you know, Ahmed, yourself, myself, the entire audience, audience base, there are several subjects in which we are not knowledgeable on. But that doesn't, that's a, a temporary barrier. That's mm. something that we can overcome and educate ourselves should we choose to. However, if you're going to dive into a conversation, if you're going to lead a charge, ensure that you have a basis or an understanding of the subject matter in which you're speaking. Because that comes down to your credibility, right? When, you know, when we talk about earning trust and influence, it comes down to your ability to connect with the audience base who are being receptive to the message in which you're speaking. So if you provide uh, uh, you know, false context or or bad information. It only takes mm. one time to kind of, kind of taint your perception or how you're perceived to your audience base. Mm. Yeah, you, you have the wrong information once, and your credibility is out the window. Absolutely. Right? Like this guy doesn't know what he's talking about. <laughs> it only takes one time. And I were, um, so one quote I always kind of, kind of reflect upon is, and this kind of touches a point in which you just spoke about as far as, you know, as we related to our subject in regards to finding your, your voice. Have you ever heard the loudest voice in the room is often the weakest person in the room? I've, so I've heard a similar quote um, and, and it, it goes, I forgot what it goes exactly, but it, they use the analogy of a dog and it's the, the dog with the loudest bark has the weakest bite or something like that. Mm -hmm. So yeah, it's directly related. And I'm, and, I, and I'm sure, you know, we can hear nine, 10 different stories with the same basis, right? And what I take from that, and I'm curious to know your thoughts as well, like how I interpret that is as, a, you know, leaders lead by example, leaders lead by actions, not necessarily is everything related to how we can vocalize or how we can um, um, display words accordingly, but our actions are gonna speak to our audience in regards to our ability to lead our particular group in which we are responsible for it, you know, so to speak. You know, I related back to myself. I'm not even gonna throw a question out there. I'll, I'm gonna balk on the pitch. So <laughs> as I progressed throughout my career, um, I mean, one thing I noticed was that people love to voice their opinions, right? And kind of circling back, people love to hear themselves talk. Rightfully so. I mean, you, 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 I mean, some people love that kind of stuff, which is great by all means if it provides self-fulfillment. But I found that as you progress and as you continue to kind of, you know, climb the ranks, you know, at your respective company, you know, for example, everybody knows everything until you ask them a question. Mm. And so when... And I kind of noticed this early on, Ahmed, that, you know, people would always voice their opinion or interject when a question, you know, when it wasn't warranted, so to speak. However, when I had a question, very little had answers, so to speak. And so I kind of dissect dialogue. I'm curious. So at this point, I'm thinking, do people just speak for self-fulfillment or 
the limited feedback that I get are those the leaders who, who are truly walking the walk that we talk about in comparison or in contrast to just kind of vocally talking the talk, so to speak. And that kind of stuck with me, man, you know, just based off experience, so to speak. Wait, 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 okay. So is it, let, let me make sure I'm understanding this right. Are you saying that the leaders that you asked, they didn't have answers to questions because they were walking the walk or because they were just, they just like hearing themselves talk? Which one was it? Because they just like hearing themselves talk. You know, when we talk about leading by actions, leading by actions is being receptive to questions. If I'm being inquisitive or inquiring about something because I like the knowledge thereof and I'm coming to you based off your credibility or your lack of credibility, so to speak, after experience. But if I'm coming to you because um, based off past conversations, you have valuable feedback in which you have voluntarily input, but at times of need or at times when I'm inquiring about something, if you have no value to add, so to speak, and that comes down to gauging your audience, which you spoke about in episode two. You know, when we talk about understanding your audience, you know, as we become more seasoned, more refined and more polished in our respective crafts at our respective companies in which we're employed by, you kind of have a, a cadence of, if I have a question about this subject matter, here's my go-to. If I have a question about this, here's my go-to. Rightfully so. I mean, that comes with experience, right? Yeah, yeah. You know, you know who to speak to, you know, who to text, who to call, who to send a message to directly as far as a source or a credible source, so to speak. And that's how you kind of strengthen your bubble mm -hmm. as you kind of continue to progress and navigate throughout your career and personal life as well. There's no barriers when it comes to it, for sure. Now, let me ask you this. Um, if I am someone that's trying to develop my voice, how can I tell if I'm starting to really dislike the sound of my voice or if I'm actually, uh, you know, bringing some value to the table? Like, how do I, here's the thing I want to know, like, how can I spot the difference in myself? Like, if I start getting louder in these meetings and I start, you know, talking a lot more, how do I, like, what are the signs that I'm doing it right? You know what I mean? Like, if I'm in the workplace and I have to reflect on my own experiences or, or I'm looking at someone else, how do I know they're just, without asking questions, right? Like, just, all right, this guy doesn't know what he's talking about. Like, how do I avoid ending up like that person? I think it comes down to how we're perceived, right? And we always talk about our audience. And if we find ourselves in a position in which we're just only reiterating information that has been already put out and we're just kind of recirculating knowledge, then it's not really value added. You know, it helps with the consistency, great. But it's nothing wrong with going against the grain if it's something that you're passionate in and something that you're able to speak to. Just because it's not already, um, it's not already a common trend or a common theme, it's nothing wrong with trying to implement a change, so to speak. Mm. If you can justify your, re you know, and I always talk about, you know, leaders ultimately, and I, and I have calls on this daily, right? We, you know, when we talk about the, you know, qualities of a leader, ultimately, leaders, you know, when we talk about a career trajectory, so to speak, leaders are paid to make decisions. We are, we know we're paid to make decisions. However, when that phone calls or, or, or when that message comes across your screen about a decision you've made, just make sure you're able or 
have adequate knowledge to justify any decision in which you've made. And any decision I feel like I make, I'm able to speak to it and justify it. And it's not about, you know, you know, what's right or wrong. It was the decision that I thought was the best practice to implement at that time. And here, I'll tell you why. And it's nothing wrong with having a backbone and having a voice and vocalizing what's important to you based off the knowledge you've acquired or the experience that you've obtained in any subject matter. So that was actually my next question. What I was going to ask you was when you're in a room full of people that have power, right, that can essentially decide whether you're getting paid or not, right? How do you feel comfortable uh, speaking up in those situations? I think you already, you just mentioned it. You said. Uh, I mean, and, and I'll kind of answer that. If, you, if that was your next question, let me answer that one because I, I like that. And it's not necessarily how you feel comfortable speaking in front of, uh, you're talking about higher tiers, right? We talk about higher yep. levels. Okay. It's not necessarily, I don't interpret that question as how do you feel comfortable speaking up at or to a higher level base. I look at it as why should I be uncomfortable? Mm. You know, when we talk about having a voice and circling back to opportunities created by us versus given, this is my chance and opportunity to create, you know, as opposed to, you know, raising my hand, call upon me, I'm going to, I'm going to, you know, use my ability of persuasion to tell you why this decision, this, you know, whatever content I'm trying to drive home, I'm going to try and solidify and embed that in you and change your way of thinking, change your, your thought process. And mm -hmm. If I haven't gained the ability to influence by the end of the conversation, then I need to kind of circle back and educate myself and, you know, try again soon because that was our opportunity. Yeah, that's, that's a really good one. Um, you summed it up really well. You actually took it in another way that I didn't see coming. Um, one of the things that I wanted to touch on real quick is you mentioned when I asked you, this is a question I like to ask all the leaders that have been around a while. Um, is how have you changed as a leader since you started uh, to the time that, uh, you know, till right now? And, and I remember when I asked you this, you told me uh, that you're a lot more assertive now mm. than you were when you were 22, 23 years old. Um, and I guess the question that I have is, is being assertive something that comes, like, is that, do you have to be assertive to develop your voice? Like, is that part of it or is that a separate thing? You know, man, I'm glad you shed light on what I told you in the past because that really hasn't changed. So I like to see that consistency of myself. <laughs> um, but just kind of, you know, more so to kind of- Way to toot your own horn, buddy. Uh, hey, I'll take it. Uh, small victories. Um, so not necessarily only being assertive, but having confidence. So to answer your question, you know, one thing that I've- found value in and kind of prioritize is being confident when you speak. Um, and, and, you know, we as an audience, you know, we're more receptive to people who are confident in any subject in which you're speaking about. I think we something as simple in its rawest form, Ahmed, you know, it, you know, if, if it's something you feel uh, passionate about, by all means, you know, be able to explain and touch your audience and connect at a different level. So when you talk about um, when you talk about what I've 
or my perception as far as I, as I can, you know, as we all continue to progress throughout our respective careers, I've learned that people are receptive to people who are confident. Mm. And confident is something that can be displayed vocally or it can be displayed by body language. You know, when we talk about percentages as far as how people are perceived, so to speak, but just being confident in anything in which you are speaking to, and I've kind of learned to hold true to that. And I mean, I'll be honest, man, I've been on calls where, and you've probably been in the same boat, you don't have to confirm it, but I'm kind of curious. But I've been on calls where I'm like, man, I have no idea what happened, what went wrong, but I'm gonna say what I'm gonna say confidently. And nine times out of 10, I don't get questioned because I spoke so passionately about the actual <laughs> plan, what happened, and the feedback was positive. And I literally pulled it, you know, I, I should have a, 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 you know, a hat, you know, you know, as, as far as a magician in regards to just being able to pull stuff out sometimes. But that was an example, man, just, and it comes down to just being confident into the, the words in which we're speaking. And I found mm. that people are more receptive to people who are confident in the words that they use and how they speak and use passion within it. Absolutely. I think it goes back to, we talked about BS meters last time. Uh, and, and sometimes you can like, when people are BSing on these calls, I'm sure you've noticed it too, is like they start adding a lot of extra information that has no place being anywhere. But when people are succinct, when they have, this is our action plan, this is how we're gonna attack this, this is what happened. Like there's, there's really no questions, right? It's like, all right, moving on. But then when people start BSing, first off, it, it, wastes, everyone t it, it wastes everyone's time. You know what I mean? It's just like, if you don't know, if you don't have an answer, just say you don't know, like I'll get back to you or something like that. But when you have 30, 40 people on the call and they ask you, Jeremy, what happened here? And you're just making up a story about what happened, you're literally wasting everyone's time. And then you look like an even bigger idiot when uh, they call you out and, and you don't have anything to say. You know what I mean? So Yeah, for sure. You know, <laughs> man, that was one thing. And I'm, I'm glad you brought that up because that was one thing I wish, you know, I always like to kind of speak in hindsight, right? And if I could talk to myself 10, 15 years ago, one thing that early on as I transitioned into management, I felt like from day one, I had to have all the answers. And I mm. struggled with that early on. I felt like I had to be not necessarily a know-it-all, but I had to have some type of answer to questions, you know, in regards to my associate base. But as I progressed, I've come to kind of realize, and I stand true to this to this day, that we don't have to know everything, so to speak. You know, being in charge does not necessarily make you the expert. Mm. I feel like I'm the expert based off my ability to connect with my team and pull my ultimate resource based off those are who are truly in the trenches, so to speak. Once you connect with your team, you can kind of pull information that shows your ability to lead in multiple ways because it shows that you've earned influence. It shows that people feel that you're receptive to feedback in which they are given to you. And not only that, you know, being receptive to something, but not implementing a change is one thing. But once people see that they can connect with you and you have the ability to implement changes in which has been escalated to you, that kind of is a revolving door in regards to earning trust you know, in, in um, improving or evolving a cycle, so to speak. 
Mm. I remember, man, uh, a quick story, man. When I was when I first hired out with the railroad, I actually had, um, and I don't know if I've ever told you this, so this is probably new knowledge, man. When I first hired out, I had an opportunity to start in management, and I had an opportunity to start as a conductor. Mm-hmm. And my father, of course, was was uh, with the railroad and the craft, and and after talking to him, I, and kind of picking his brain. Ultimately, I came to the decision to start as a conductor and working myself from the ground up. Because at this point, I found value and progression throughout my career through not necessarily on titles, but more so understanding the craft and merit-based progression as opposed to an entry title. And in hindsight, that helped mold and polish me so much because I acquired the knowledge that we just spoke about. I built my confidence based off the tenure that I spent in the craft. And when I was rightfully so progressed into management, I had a background to solidify the decisions and actions that I've made, not only because I've seen it, but because I've walked the walk to justify the talk that I'm mm. talking So when you got into management, you already had that voice because you have the knowledge, you have the confidence, you've been through the trenches. Yeah. And I had the respect that came with it. Mm. You know, it's kind of the perception is if you come in as, you know, right into management, then you don't have the expertise and background to truly speak to your associate base or to connect at that level. But I was able to uh, promote internally, so to speak, and was able to uh, grow from within and kind of implement changes that I saw from having truly my boots on the ground and being able to kind of reinforce the talk that often people, you know, kind of speak of, right? And just kind of implement that change. And I kind of still hold true to that for sure. I found value in people that progress through the ranks as opposed to entry level management, but there's nothing Mm -hmm. wrong with that. I'm not saying, it's anything wrong with entry-level management. And I want to be clear about that, but I think it's a way that you have the ability to connect and understanding the power of influence that comes from truly grinding out in the trenches and progressing internally within your respective company. Mm -hmm. Last thing I wanted to touch on, just because you, you mentioned the railroad and I remembered an incident and it really, it ties back into finding your voice as well. So I remember I had gotten an email from someone that wanted me to do something and I did that thing. So let's, it was a report I had to do. I did the report and then the guy was questioning me on the things that I put in the report and he CC'd my boss. And that just made me really mad because I was like, dude, first off, I did your little report that you asked me to do. uh, And now you're questioning the validity of the data that I'm putting in here. And you're questioning like, Hey, why is this happening? That happening. And not only are you asking me, but you're adding my loss for visibility to make me look like, it. I mean, I'm doing my thing wrong. You know what I mean? So I remember I was heated at this point and I reached out to you. I was like, yo, like, what do I do in this situation? And, and you mentioned a story um, that happened at the railroad. If you could, if you could share, share that and uh, really just shed light on what the lesson was there. Yeah. It sounds like, and if I remember correctly, this is evolving around the dinner, right? It was a, a staff yep. dinner. Okay. Yeah. So, so just to kind of paint a picture, every year we would do prior to fourth quarter, so to speak, we would do like a, um, a holiday dinner in which we would get the team together for your respective division before you go into your peak season, right? And the peak season being fourth quarter in this case. 
And people will get so uptight in these meetings, you know, or in these dinners. And I'm thinking like, you know, this is a, it's the staff dinner, it's a regional dinner, and it has high visibility. And by that, I mean, you have your CEO there, you have your vice president there, you have your CFO there, you have all higher levels of management there in a small group in a very intimate setting. You know, we're talking about um, maybe 30 people, so to speak. Mm-hmm. you know, kind of evolving around six tables. So every higher up is kind of dispersed amongst those six to seven tables. And I never will forget my most recent one. I was sitting at the table with our vice president. Um, it was six of us at the table. Um, my superintendent, my, the vice president of the company, and another train master, as well as myself and the assistant, um, terminal superintendent. So we're there having dinner and the vice president, and I'm not going to classify him in that category as in, you know, as one to enjoy himself talking, but he loved to show his whiskers. And I knew this coming into it. Mm-hmm. And I've never will forgot, you know, he was, you know, kind of reaching around the table, just kind of, you know, you know, driving conversations. And him and I actually shared the prior territory. So the territory that I had at that point in time from Cleveland to Toledo, he had the same respective role when he was a train master. So he was asking me questions naturally so about the uh, territory. Oh, good. I love that kind of conversation. Mm-hmm. And then it came a point when he asked about a, um, a project in which they were installing, pretty much installing another main line on the territory. And he asked how the project was going. And so I told him that it was delayed for fourth quarter, but it was going to be picked up in the first quarter. Um, and he followed, I never will forget this, Amit. He followed up and said, well, I think we got the green light to proceed in the fourth quarter. <laughs> and so at this point, you know, I, I'm, I think I was eating the filet. It, it was the one, you know, they, they always went all out with the dinner, but I made sure I cleared my voice when I said this. When I said, I looked up and said, well, it sounds like you already knew the answer to your question. And Ahmed, the table jaws dropped. I never will forget the, you know, everybody just kind of looked at me like I'm the bad guy. And I'm thinking, <laughs> you know, and this is the problem. You know, when we talk about perception, everybody walks up in these, you know, comes to these meetings, you know, like a Harley Walker think straight. And I'm like, you know, <laughs> like a what? Like a Harley Walker think straight? What is that? No, no, no. I'm just saying, you know, people could like hardly walk because they're so nervous, so anxious. They can hardly walk. They can hardly think straight. And he's asking me a question that he already knew the answer. (laughs) I wasn't sure if he was just kind of digging or reaching. But I mean, Ahmed, that was the reality of it. I mean, and this was one when we talk about finding our voice, finding this. But Ahmed, so one thing I never will forget. So walking away from that meeting, um, I never will forget the remaining audience at that table thanked me for how I handled that because mm. he was picking and he was prying. But at that point, I had confidence in myself to find my voice and speak up for something that I felt confident in. In this case, my last knowledge was it was going to be a first quarter project. However, at his level, he had visibility to it being approved or greenlit for a late fourth quarter project. However, I spoke and used my voice and people were receptive to that. And it actually, I think I acquired a higher level of respect for those 
who would not have spoken up in a situation like that. When we talk about finding our voice and credibility that mm. fall from it. Yeah. And just to touch on, like, I think the finding your voice point, finding your voice uh, point you already made, there's a type of person that is quite common in the work environment and they feed off putting people down. You know what I mean? Like oh, yeah. they will take every opportunity they can to make themselves look bigger by putting you down. Uh, and in that moment, speaking up really takes a lot of courage, right? It's not like, I mean, for you, you're making it look easy, but I mean, I'm just thinking about if I was in that situation, I would never have said that. Not in, not in a million years. Right. So that's something that, you know, even like, I'm, I'm sure, was it, do you, would you say it was tough for you or was it just that you were like, is it? I'm not going to say it was easy to answer your question. Like that next day I logged in to make sure that I still had uh, <laughs> internet access to my account, <laughs> make sure I wasn't terminated. But at the same time, I'm at, I, I was knowledgeable. I knew my territory. I was confident in my ability that was proven to run an efficient territory. So based off the knowledge that I had, I was speaking to the question in which he asked. And I had no issue with that. Now, at his level, at a higher visibility, of course, he has more insight. But at the same time, don't come with the question just to follow up with the comment, so to speak. If you have new information, you know, speak it to the table. But don't set me up and think that I'm not going to come back with feedback as far as a question that you already have the answer to. Yeah. yeah. Um, let's do the key takeaways for today and let's call it a day, man. It's, it's been, a, been a good one. Let's do it. I'll let you go first. When we talk about finding our voice, I challenge everybody and I love challenges. I, I challenge everybody to uh, have the, confident to, the confidence to speak up for something that they feel passionate about or have the ability to educate themselves to build confidence from within. Because I truly believe that confidence comes from either, again, experience or knowledge on the subject. So by all means, if it's something that you're already knowledgeable on, have the confidence to speak to it and kind of drive that charge. When we talk about influence, you can be the voice for the masses and have a larger impact than um, withholding information or being more passive when we speak about being assertive. So that's my challenge to the audience group. That's a good one. And just to, just to touch on that, my key takeaways from today are, uh, number one is when you have to speak and there's powerful people in the room remember to just take some time to do your homework, right? Uh, and that will give you the confidence that you know your stuff and you can speak to that uh, situation. The second thing on that same note is that those people that you view as more powerful as you, they're paying you to do that job. They're paying you to actually have a voice and say what you, what you would recommend, right? So it's not like they gave you a seat to the table so you could sit there and do nothing right? They're expecting you to actually say something. So do your homework, understand that they want you to speak. And number three, and I love that you flipped the perspective on this is don't think about it as 
like, why, like, how do I become comfortable in this situation? Think about it. Why should I be uncomfortable? These guys are paying me to do this. This is my job. This is, I did all the research. Um, this is what I get paid to do, right? So be confident, understand that this is what they want and develop the skill. It's going to be hard, especially for people that are coming right from college. Uh, we, we spent all these years learning, learning, learning a certain behavior, right? And now we got to identify that behavior, understand when it's happening, unlearn it. And then like Jeremy said in the last episode, seek discomfort and understand that if we're going to learn this new behavior of speaking up and having a voice, we need to be uncomfortable for a little bit. Anything else to add, Jeremy? No, you hit it home. That was, um, you know, when we talk about summaries, I think that embodied the entire context of the, of the dialogue. Yeah, that was solid, man. You brought it home for sure. Awesome. Again, I want to say thank you to the audience. Uh, and I want to say, again, Jeremy, I, I talked to you about this before we started, but I do want to give credit where credit is due. This is uh, the second week in a row where we've recorded an episode. So I hope to keep the streak running, but just getting us together in the same room, I think that deserves uh, a moment of appreciation. So thank you, Jeremy, uh, for making the time. Uh, thank you all for listening. Uh, see you guys next week. Always an honor.